don't get more. There's Walker bringing it down. And still keeping his eyes down. That was gorgeous. It looked like T.J. Walker had a bunch of room to run, but he finds his wide receiver. His hands. That winds up being a 24-yard penalty. Walker under pressure. Ducks it out. Finally out of the backfield. Down the sideline. Into the end zone. Touchdown, Rocknets. Walker just retreats, 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 and then he's able to dump that ball over the top. He gets the screen set up, and ultimately the Rocknets are in the end zone. That can just kneel on the football for a, a minute 45 at the end of the game is going to provide more exciting football than most exciting time. It's the time to play because there's a live football. Dave Butler scooped it up, trying to take it to the house. This ball bounces not only right back to him, but forward. So it's just got a rolling. Hey, what's going on, y'all? You tuned in to the Sports Talk with Big Sarge podcast. I'm your host. Big Sarge! And that sound you heard right there was from the XFL game this weekend. The Houston Roughnecks defeated the LA Wildcats 31-17. to What a game, what a game, what a game. I, I, I was, I'm sorry, it was 37-17. to I was wrong. Let me, let me correct myself. The Houston Roughnecks defeated the LA Wildcats 37-17. to Welcome to the first podcast of Rough around the edges. Now, yes, it is a little bit of play on words because I am in Houston. I do cover the XFL team, the Houston Roughnecks. And so we'll be doing a weekly podcast about the Houston Roughnecks. And you know that I can't do anything football-wise without having my friend, my, my, look, he's actually like my brain because sometimes I'm old, and sometimes my brain doesn't function like it should. And so I reach out to him, and I'd be like, hey, man, can you help me out with something? Or I will post something, and he'll come back. I promise I'll post something, and then he'll come back with all of the stats. He's been broke down just my original post, and I'd be like, wow. Like, I'm impressed, and I feel stupid all at the same time. <laughs> I have analyst and writer from the Fantasy Headliners, Chris Kennedy. What's going on, Chris? Hey, Big Sarge. Glad to be back, man. Hey, man, I am glad to have you on. Now, look, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Big Sarge Sports with a Z. Once again, that's Big Sarge Sports with a Z at the end. And Chris, where can they follow you on Twitter? You guys can find me on Twitter at ChrisKennedy318. Man, thanks for making time to come on this podcast with me, man. I, I've been getting some positive feedback from when uh, you and I are together, man. And so I always... You know, like that. And so we know that the NFL season ended, what, two weeks ago when the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the San Francisco 49ers to win um, the Super Bowl. But guess what, man? I am so proud that Vince McMahon decided to get with Oliver Luck and they put together a new XFL league. The XFL league kicked off on Saturday. And Chris, did you know, I didn't know this until I started doing my research. There had been 20 years since there was uh, a XFL league and they had only lasted one season. Yeah, actually, it's funny. I was when I was kind of looking through, you know, doing a lot of research on these players, writing up some articles for the fantasy headliners. 
um, you know, there was a lot of history on the first, you know, go go around for the XFL. And I can't believe that it's been so long since Vince McMahon tried this, you know, again. Uh, but I will say this after watching, you know, some of the games over the weekend, I'm I'm really glad that they actually have decided to focus on football this time around instead of just making it more of a spectacle. Like I feel like they're more focused on actual football than they are putting on a show. Uh, I feel like I am watching the NFL as opposed to the WWE. And that's what, you know, and that's what I guess we can just go ahead and jump right into it. And that's what I was going to ask you was to elaborate a little bit more on how you, your, your overall feelings or views of this past weekend's games. One thing that I noticed is that uh, going into the XFL season, my first initial thought was that the running backs were really going to dictate the pace of these games, that, you know, the, the quarterbacks and their receivers needed more time to gel to really build that rapport and, and kind of build that trust with one another. Uh, you know, knowing when a receiver likes to come out of a route, you know, certain things that the quarterback might want to do. Uh, but that wasn't the case. A lot of these big name running backs that we have had recognized from the NFL or from days in college really were not a factor this weekend at all in almost any of the games. Um, it really was the quarterbacks and the receivers that were putting on a show this week. So that was that was certainly an area that kind of caught me by surprise because I really did think that, uh, you know, they were going to kind of have to rely heavily on the running backs. Um, but uh, but I will say this, the couple of games that we saw were a lot higher scoring than I expected, you know, with the, the Roughnecks and the Wildcats game. Um, you know, reaching a total of over 50 points. Then we saw the DC Seattle game that hit a total of 50 points uh, because uh, actually, if you look at the, the Vegas lines, um, most of these games were had a game total of at least 50 points and a couple of them hit that total, if not the over. Uh, so I think that you're going to see Vegas kind of lower those, lower those totals a little bit for week two, um, you know, just so they don't get burnt as badly as they probably did this weekend. Yeah, and before uh, before I give my take on what I what I seen this weekend at the game, I'm gonna run run down the scores. Just like you said, the Seattle uh, Dragons, the, the Seattle Dragons were defeated by the DC Defenders by a score of 31 to 19. The Tampa Bay Vipers lost to the New York Guardians 23 to three. The uh, St. Louis Battlehawks uh, defeated the Dallas Renegades 15 to nine, and the Houston Roughnecks defeated the LA Wildcats 37 to 17. Now. So I was at the game at uh, 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 this past weekend between the Houston Roughnecks and the LA Wildcats, and I'm gonna say this: <clears throat> you know, being in the stadium, being in NRG at least what eight times during the football season, I see a lot of you know excitement as far as tailgating is concerned. The fans coming in, the paraphernalia that they're wearing, you know, dressing up, uh, being you know loud, rambunctious you know, supporting the, the Houston Texans. I seen that exact same thing this weekend with the Houston Roughnecks. I even seen a guy, Chris, who had on a Houston Gamblers uh, Jim Kelly jersey. Well, he had on the whole outfit, though. He had the helmet, he had the shoulder pads, the jersey, and the pants. And I'm first of all, I'm impressed because I was like, where did you find a Houston Gamblers Jim Kelly jersey? Because I want one. But with the, with the fans... You know, looking out to the crowd, there was over 17,000 people who attended the game this weekend. And they were loud and they were rowdy. And so from the from the kickoff, I didn't know what to expect. Because the last time we actually seen the XFL, and I didn't get a chance to see 
the first game. I didn't I didn't get a chance. To, I only seen clips of the uh, DC Defenders versus the Seattle Dragons. So all I was getting was bits and pieces on Twitter. People talking about, oh, this is real football. So I was like, okay, I didn't want to. I didn't want to see anything but the I mean, but the Roughnecks versus the Wildcats first. And I tell you what, even though the kickoff looked funny because of what we're used to from Pop Warner all the way through the NFL, even though it looked a little bit funny from the kickoff, there was just a bunch of excitement. There was a bunch of hard hitting. There was a bunch of you know just. Football. It didn't look gimmicky when, like, when Rod Smart, he hate me, you know, was playing. (laughs) You know, Vince McMahon was going into the, uh, what was he going to the female cheerleaders locker rooms with a camera and all that other stuff. It was, it was great to me. And I know that the first week of the AAF was great. And so I don't want to get ahead of myself, but watching the XFL and watching the AAF. Chris, it looks like two totally different leagues. And the one thing that I noticed about the XFL um, this weekend watching the rest of the games, it's a mix, it, it, it's a right in between for me. So it's a it's not as good as the NFL, but it's not as bad as college. And so it's right there in the middle. It's interesting you say that because when I was watching the games, uh, you know, there were a few there were a few moments where I kind of cringed and, and I thought to myself, oh, this is going to be a long season. But then there were some other plays where these guys really made some, you know, some outstanding plays. Uh, I think that the, as far as the quarterback play is concerned, we saw a lot of the quarterbacks kind of tuck it and run. Um, I believe through Saturday's games, the quarterbacks had almost as many rushing yards as the actual running backs did and actually had more rushing touchdowns than the running backs did. That that changed a little bit come Sunday. Um, but you are seeing these quarterbacks be a little bit more mobile. Um, I know we saw we saw Cardell Jones of D.C. You know, he's tucked it and run ran quite a bit. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out throughout the season, uh, especially as these running backs do start to build more of a rapport and get into more of a rhythm. Um, but it, but it is interesting to see those quarterbacks really, um, you know, not just rely on their arm. They are trying to do it with their legs as well. And, and once again, tuned into the sports talk with big Sarge podcast. This is the rough around the edges XFL edition. I have Chris Kennedy from the fantasy headliners on with me. I don't know how much of the game that you got a chance to see on Saturday between the roughnecks and the wildcats, but I will say this, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know too much about uh, the, the roughnecks quarterback PJ Walker, but I'm a fan. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care what he does for the rest of the season. He completely sold me on Saturday when I was watching him. And the one thing that I loved about what he did, because he finished the day with 272 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. The one thing that I that I loved watching about with P.J. Walker, because he's from Temple, if I'm not, uh, not mistaken. He was there when Matt Rule was there. He even said that on Saturday about when someone asked him the question about running the June Jones run and shoot and he said that they tried to do it one time when he was at temple but because june jones wasn't the one calling the plays and running it because they didn't have the originator of the run and shoot it was just a a variation of it and it just it just did not work but he said having june jones you know being able to be right there with the architect of the run and shoot he said it makes it a whole lot easier and i'm gonna tell you why i was impressed chris I was impressed because this guy used his legs to buy more time 
to throw the ball down the field. He didn't, you know, get out of the pocket and then take off running. He got out of the pocket and where there was space for him to be able to run, he was still looking down the field. There was one play where he he broke out and I promise you he could have picked up at least 10 to 15 yards with his legs alone. But he broke out and instead of taking off running, Sammy Coates was coming, uh, the wide receiver was coming across the field and he hit him dead on the money in between two defenders. And he was like that all day. All day he was uh, able to get out. He only finished the game with 26 yards rushing, but I promise you, if he would have, you know, took off running, he would have been the leading rusher, you know, for the game. I was just going to say, it's it's interesting you say it because he had, like you said, 26 yards on the ground, and James Butler had 30 but Butler had five more carries than than PJ Walker did, um, and Butler also got involved in the passing game. You know, caught a couple of balls, one for a touchdown. Um, but yeah, as I kind of alluded to earlier, we're really seeing the quarterbacks, you know, use their legs. And um, I'm sure that Walker absolutely could have, you know, eaten up more yardage on the ground. But you know, four carries for 26 yards. I mean, that's a that's a nice yards per carry average right there. Yes, yes, it was. And so they started off very. They started off slow though. They, I mean, well, I take that back. They started off fast by scoring uh, a touchdown in the first three plays of the game. I mean, the kickoff, three plays later, 50-yard bomb. Uh, P.J. Walker threw a 50-yard bomb. Bam, here we go. We're, we're, we're good to go, right? And then all of a sudden, they start to stall out. And that was the that was the issue or the problem that I had was because they couldn't. It seems like in the first half, they could not sustain drives. It was, you know, a couple of three and outs. You know, a couple of, hey, we get here, and then we had to punt. And if it wasn't for the two turnovers in the first half, they, they got a muffed punt, and then they got a interception. But they weren't able to capitalize off of that against the Wildcats. And so, you know, going into the half, I think they were only up 18 to 17. They were only up one point. They could have been, you know, it could have the score could have been worse. And that, that defense kept them in it. That defense... I was very surprised by the Roughnecks defense, not from the hard hitting that they were doing and not because they were able to get to the ball like that, but because they were able to contain everything. After they allowed Mm -hmm. 17 points, they didn't allow any more points after that. And so, you know, I want a side note, Chris. Do you think that's something that we'll be able to see, that type of, you know, defense throughout the rest of the XFL? Because – after, you know, the two Saturday games were high scoring, like you said, the D.C. Defenders had 31 points and the Roughnecks had 37. But then on the Sunday games, it was 23 to 3, 15 to 9. And so will we see that type of game from the defenses? Do you think that that's a uh, – because uh, you talked about the running backs earlier, but you think that the defense plays a part in that as well? Oh, absolutely. I think that the, the reason why they were able to – to you know, win by as much as they did is because of that defense. Um, when you look at what that defense was able to do, they generated 36 quarterback pressures um, in that game for an 8% pr- uh, pressure rate, which is absolutely phenomenal because the next best team didn't even hit 6% for a pressure rate. Um, those 36 pressures that Houston had uh, over the weekend, the next closest team was DC who had 17 and so not only is that defense impressive, but the offensive line and the way that they were able to protect uh, Walker was also as impressive because the offensive line only allowed four quarterback pressures 
all game long. So, I mean, you had the offensive line working, you had the defensive line and that front seven really working well together. Um, so the combination of the two, and if they can keep that up, then the, the Roughnecks are going to be one of the favorites because coming into the season, everyone was talking about the Dallas Renegades and how, you know, they were a, a plus 400 favorite to win the whole thing this year. And they ended up losing to St. Louis. So I think right now the, the Roughnecks are, are very, very quickly moving up the ranks as far as, you know, favorite odds to win this whole thing. And it's funny you say that because one of the MVPs, one of the – well, I had two defensive MVPs for the Roughnecks. One was defensive end uh, Coney Ely, and you quarterback hits and the quarterback pressures. He had five quarterback hits and two tackles, tackle for losses. And he does he didn't even start. And he was still able to, you know, to generate that type of pressure when he was in the game. And I was also impressed by former Jacksonville Jaguars defensive back Cody Brown. He had the biggest hit and game save, pretty much game saving touchdown. Um, uh, uh, sorry, hit to to uh, stop a touchdown from the Wildcats. The defender for the Wildcats had slipped, and the wide receiver, the cornerback from the from the Wildcats, had slipped, and the wide receiver from um, okay, as I was, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> the cornerback from the Roughnecks had slipped. And the receiver from the Wildcats had gotten open. And you looked and you seen Cole Brown coming from his safety position. And the ball was a, the ball was a tad bit, a little bit of air up under it. But Cody Brown was able to make and cover a lot of ground in space to be over and lay that boom. And here's the thing. It was a legal hit. He led with his shoulder. And I know that because... I, although I had read the rules, I didn't. I was one. I wanted to see how this thing happened in real time. So you know, when they go mm -hmm. to the to the review, they go uh, to the re, to the review booth. They actually have the people in the review booth mic'd up, and they're talking about what's going on. They're why as they go through the play, they're talking about it, and the fans and the viewers can hear it. And so as they're going through it, then they came up. It's like, hey, it was a legal hit. And so that was one of the things that I liked about the XFL, but that was a real good hit, Chris. Yeah. And one thing that it's funny when you're, you know, talking about the cornerbacks and, you know, not only the hitting, but the coverage, um, we all know that, you know, if you watch the game, uh, Nelson Spruce of the LA Wildcats just absolutely torched the Houston Roughnecks uh, defense. He had, a, you know, 15 targets, caught 11 of them for 103 yards, didn't find the end zone, but the one thing the Wildcats did was they really spread the ball around. Um, and they had, I believe, 11 different guys uh, be targeted. But it, if you take out Nelson Spruce's numbers, the Roughnecks only allowed a 33% completion rate to the rest of those receivers. So while Spruce went and got his, the rest of the team really did get shut down. So that's a big, big advantage for Houston, uh, especially going forward. If they know that, yeah, we might let one guy beat us, but as long as he doesn't score that's okay because we know we can shut down the rest of that team. Man, and I don't know what was going on a little bit earlier, Chris, but I guess I just got super excited about just watching the Roughnecks, man. You just see, I started to get tongue-tied and my energy started. But I was like, maybe because I haven't seen hitting like that in a long time. If that was in the NFL, they probably would have. If that was the NFL, it would have been a flag. If it would have been in, in the college, that would have been targeting. I don't know, some way, somehow, they would have been able to find it and say, it's targeting. But I was just, like, that's how I got so excited early when I was talking about uh, the Cody, Brown, Cody Brown's hit. I was just, 
Mm-hmm. It was that excitement. I'm telling you, Chris, I got a chance to get out of the press box and walk amongst, you know, the crowd. I got, I, I mixed and mingled with the fans and they, they just generated a strong buzz. And if they can keep that up, if they can keep that up, I guarantee you, I know that Houston will be able to do that. Now, the other cities, I, I'm not for sure. But, you know, we're in Texas, man. And in Texas, one thing that runs through our veins is football. We don't care what type of football it is, as long as it's football. And we will support good football. And that's why you had 17, Chris, 17,000 fans came out on Saturday to support the Roughnecks. And they did not disappoint. They did not disappoint at all. I love the fact, Chris, and maybe you can um, elaborate on this a little bit more. You know, that was old school run and shoot. Chris, there were a lot of open wide receivers. Even, you know, quarterback P.J. Walker and head coach June Jones from the Roughnecks said that they missed a lot of passes. They missed a lot of open reads. He was like, there were guys that were open. We were just missing them. And I'm sitting in the, when I was in the press box, I'm looking, I was like, wow, he's open and he's open. And I'm not advocating for June Jones to be the next offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. But what I am saying is that there were a lot of plays that were designed to get PJ good open looks. One thing that I, I noticed, uh, you know, throughout that game and, and mainly because uh, a few of the guys from the fantasy headliners and I, we decided to do a, uh, an XFL fantasy league. And so one of, uh, one of the guys that, that, you know, he, I believe he took, it was Sammy Coates that he took. And I don't know if it was maybe the, the, the second round or the third round of our draft. And, and again, I don't know if this had to do with, you know, just uh, Walker and, and Coates not being on the same page, but Sammy Coates was tied for first with the most targets of Houston with nine. And he only ended up coming down with two catches for 26 yards the entire game. Uh, so I think that's something that they're certainly going to have to work on throughout the season because um, Sammy Coates is a really good wide receiver. He was a third round pick of the Steelers back in 2015. He did bounce around from team to team for a few years, um, but in 2016 he was top ten in the league in yards run. I'm sorry, yards per route run, and he was really good at Auburn. You know, his sophomore season he had almost 50 catches about 900 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. So I think Sammy Coates is someone that is you should really be keeping an eye on because while he was very lackluster this weekend, I think that the more reps that he gets with Walker, the better you're going to see that chemistry build. During the press conference, PJ talked about uh, PJ Walker talked about how the defense stepped up to help them, you know, when they were being lackadaisical and when they didn't have any momentum going. Um, and in that second half, he said that second half, they really, uh, picked it up. And I'm looking now at the stats, and I didn't realize that they had 56 combined total tackles. And, you know, you said earlier about the quarterback hits. They had 16 quarterback hits, and they had 11 passes defended. And you would you would think that by watching that game in the second half, Chris, they only gave up 58 total yards. The defense only gave up 58 total yards. But in the first half, you would think that there was an onslaught coming. And in offensive plays, the Wildcats had 74 offensive plays while the Roughnecks only had 56. And so I keep harping on that defense because when I get out there tomorrow and I go to practice, you know, I want to talk, I'm going to mm-hmm. get a chance to talk to some of those defenders 
and asked asked them, you know, what it was. You know, get to talk to uh this is a uh this is a name that should sound familiar to you. Do you know who the defensive coordinator for the uh Roughnecks is? I don't. Who is he? Ted Cottrell. Really? Yes. <laughs> yes. By far one of the he is Ted Cottrell is by far one of the best people you want to meet because he seems like your grandfather. You'd be like, hey, Paul Paul, how's it going? <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> he's just so just so laid back, man. But I like what he's doing. Like I said, I like what he's doing with his defense. If I had one complaint when it comes to, to the Roughnecks, is that their mm-hmm. third down efficiency was not good. They were three for 10 for 30%. And that's why I said in the beginning of the game, and that especially in that first half, there were too many three and outs. There were too many, you know, missing the guys here, missing the guys. You mentioned Sammy Coates only having two receptions. Well, he dropped some passes too. He dropped, um, yep. you know, a couple that was right in his hands that he should have had. And so, you know, and as, as time goes on, because this, this was the first, you know, action that a lot of these guys have had since college or what, the AAF. And so it's been a minute. And so I, I just feel like they need a little, a little bit more time to get, uh, to get acclimated to, you know, getting back to getting it. Cause I asked um, uh, Nelson Spruce, the wide receiver from the Wildcats. I asked him about that. And he said, you know, I just needed to get that first hit out of the way to get that nervousness out of my system. And then I was going to, you know, then after that, I was able to settle down and to play my game. And once again, you're listening to Sports Talk with uh, Big Sarge Podcast. This is the Rough Around the Edges XFL edition. And I have Chris Kennedy from the Fantasy Headliners. Chris, what did you think about Cardell Jones and the D.C. Defenders? I was actually really impressed. The first thing I noticed about Cardell is I was like, oh, that guy put on some weight over the years because he looked a, <laughs> he looked a little bit he looked a little huskier than than I remember him at Ohio State. But um, but I will say this when it when I was watching Cardell was, uh, you know, he still has, you know, some of that mobility. I you know, obviously he's he's much older, um, but he's another guy very much like Walker who had almost as many rushing yards as his starting running back with, with, you know, three or four less attempts, um, you know, Cardell Jones, he had a 62% completion rating, uh, you know, no quarterback in the league so far has hit 300 passing yards. You know, Jones only had 235, had a couple of touchdowns, but he limited the turnovers. He didn't throw a pick, which is always huge, especially in your first game in a new league. Um, so that's something that really did kind of impress me. The other part of the defenders that I really, really liked um, is their receiver, Eli Rogers. He caught all six of his targets for 73 yards. You know, he had an average uh, uh, average yard per reception of 12.2, which is what you really like to see because for a guy like that, it means that his yards after catch are going to be a really high number. So once he gets the ball, watch out because he can absolutely do some special things after the catch. Um, so I was really impressed by what I saw in D.C. And I know that D.C. was probably the number two, number three favorite team uh, this year right behind Dallas uh, DC is another team that has a really good defense to really keep an eye out for. Going forward, do you uh, can you say that you're probably looking forward to that battle between the defenders and the Roughnecks just because of uh, the offensive outburst that I think both of them are going to have? Yeah, not only the uh, the offensive outburst, but what we've seen from both of these defenses so far, um, you know, DC is that next team that had just as many quarterback pressures. Granted, it was less than half of what Houston had because Houston just put up an astronomical number. Um, 
but we know we've seen that DC is able to get after the quarterback, even if they aren't generating a lot of sacks, they're creating that pressure to make sure that he's, he's really uncomfortable. You know, we saw that with silvers, um, you know, throwing a couple of picks because of some pressure. So I think that DC Houston game is going to be a lot of fun to watch because you're going to have two high powered offenses and also two really strong defenses that can get after the quarterback. I don't know if you knew this or not, Chris. So I, I don't know if you heard this while you watching the game or not. Do you know who uh, Philip Nelson is? I know that he, so I, I know that he's the quarterback for the Dallas Renegades. Um, but before I actually did any sort of research, I had, I've honestly had never even heard the name before. It wasn't until about a week ago that it was the first time I had heard that name. Do you know why his name is so famous? Like, even before he threw a pass, do you know why he was, like, one of the top guys in the XFL and not for his uh, quarterback ability, not for his escape ability, not for his ability to be able to get out of the pocket? You know, he was an underwear model, right, in the IG model. That's I was just I was just going to say that I had heard somewhere on Twitter <laughs> that he was an underwear model before he was a football player. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying to myself, well, what am I doing wrong outside of, eating right and doing sit-ups and getting a six-pack that I can't be an IG model too. You know, I've always wanted to be an IG model. And I guess now, I, hey, if Philip Nelson can do it, then I guess I can do it too. And he didn't have a bad game, but I mean, if he keeps having these games like he had on uh, Sunday, he may have to go back to being an underwear model. You, wait, side note. You know who should have been a, a underwear model Right, right from the beginning, and never had an NFL career. Who? Mark Sanchez. That the butt fumble never would have occurred. <laughs> he would have been saved. He would have been saved from all embarrassment. Exactly, man. I'm saying to myself, bro, you should have just went straight to Hollywood, and I mean, straight to I'm sorry, straight to New York, and in Times Square, they should have just had a huge like underwear ad for you instead of you and. Here's the thing, Mark Sanchez wasn't bad, but he wasn't good either. So it's like, what Mark Sanchez am I getting now? I, I can honestly say that Rex Ryan probably wanted to choke him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with, with Mark Sanchez, like, and, and, and maybe it's just like a, you know, maybe it's a USC quarterback kind of a thing. You know, after the, after they're done with college, don't even think about the pros. Just go and go and go to New York, go to LA, do a modeling career, and just enjoy life. You know what? I see former USC quarterback and NFL quarterback Sean Salisbury on uh, a lot. I see him a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask him if he had to give me his top five all-time USC quarterbacks. I'm going to ask him that because it's going to be interesting on looking at their careers from college to the pros, because Matt Leiner has to be in that top five as far as college is concerned. But his pro career was like, oh, and if I'm being messed right here on rough around the edges, do you know who, uh, do, do you know who, um, who did I just say? Matt Leiner? Matt Leiner. So the mother of his child, you know who else she has a child by? Who? Blake Griffin. So those kids are destined to be great in life when it comes to athletics, Chris. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you look at, 
I was going to say, like, when you talk about USC quarterbacks, um, you have Matt Leinart. Um, obviously, the most notable one over the last, I don't know, 20 years is certainly Carson Palmer, you know. Um, but the other guys on that list are guys like Matt Barkley, um, Sam Darnold as of as of late. Um, and then a guy, I, I believe he started for the Detroit Lions for a little bit, um, or at least he was he was on the coaching staff. And that is John David Booty. Ah, yes. 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 You are right, Chris. I forgot. Look, if you wouldn't have him, I probably would have never, ever remembered him. Like, if you would have said, hey, man, could you name? I would have been like, I would never have named John David Booty at all, period. So, as and, I and the only reason why I remember him is because of his name. I mean, that's the name <laughs> you just don't forget. It's like, um, oh, is it Jim Bob Cooter who is the offensive coordinator in the NFL? Yes, he's a yeah, he believe uh, quarterback coach or offensive coordinator. Uh, and I think he was the one who was the, uh, the offensive coordinator for the Lions. Yes, wasn't he at Tennessee at one point? The University of Tennessee, yes. I think, if I'm not mistaken. So, mm-hmm. as, look, as I digress and getting back to quarterbacks who didn't fare too well, <laughs> Philip Nelson for the Dallas Renegades. You know, they lost to the St. Louis Battlehawks. And like I said, the score was 50 to 9. And it wasn't one of those games. It wasn't one of those games that just had me going, like the Saturday games had me going. It just was, I, I think that I needed more. And here's the thing I expected more from a Bob Stoops led team. I thought that we were going to see a little bit more too. I mean, especially with their running bait, with their running game with uh, Cameron Artis Payne and Lance Dunbar, you know, two former Lance Dunbar with used to play for your Cowboys. Artis Payne played for the Panthers for a few years. Um, I really kind of thought we were going to see a little bit more from that offense. Um, and for them to only put up nine points was, I mean, it was really, really surprising for me. Um, I think you're going to see more come this, this, this upcoming week because uh, Landry Jones is their actual starting quarterback, but he was injured and wasn't able able to play. So I think we should be able to see him come back this week against LA and hopefully put up more than nine points. I didn't know until today when um, when I was doing some research, I found out that I didn't know that Landry Jones had signed with the XFL team. And right after he signed with the XFL, the Pittsburgh Steelers came calling and wanted him to come back to them. And the XFL wouldn't let him out of his contract. Which by I, I, really? I agree with that though. I I wouldn't have let him let him go back either. No, I mean when you think of Landry Jones, um, I think the Steelers took him in. It was either the fourth or the fifth round, um, like six or seven years ago, and he only actually started. He played in nineteen total games, all right, and he only started in five of those um, in his entire NFL career. He bounced around, you know, between a couple of different teams, um, but he's. Yeah, if I'm if I'm Landry Jones, I'm kind of staying with the XFL right now just because I mean, I don't know what the NFL, I don't know what NFL team he would actually be able to start for. I'm gonna tell you who I was impressed with when it comes to the St. Louis Battlehawks. A quarterback, Jordan Tayamu, um, out of Ole Miss. And I the only reason I was, you know, even the only reason I was really following that that game outside of, you know, just wanting to watch football is that, you know, Jordan was here for a couple of weeks with the Houston Texans after they lost Joe Webb. And so he was the third string quarterback here for a minute. And so he's a really good guy, like a really good laid back kind of guy. And it all, all you know, it reminds me of what the NFL is going to get 
and uh Tua Tua coming out of Alabama because they are best mm-hmm. friends and they have that laid back attitude, but they're you know very hard workers. You could see his work ethic when he was in camp with the Houston Texans. And so, you know, I watched him and he didn't have a bad game. He he rushed for, you know, 77 yards. And like you said earlier, Chris, that what that qualifies for at least top five, top seven rushers for the weekend. Yeah, I actually think he was, I think he may have been top three even. I think there are only a couple of other running backs that actually had more more yards than he did because he finished with, I think, 77 rushing yards. And um, I believe his his teammate, um, the the starting running back for, for them had, I think, 81 yards. And there was another running back, I forget his name, uh, who also was in that 80-yard mark as well. But uh, yeah, Tiamo was, I mean, phenomenal. You know, he was able to to just rack up the yardage. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm I'm interested to see because you know play Houston this week. They're here. They they come here and play Houston at six o'clock on uh, Fox Sports One on Sunday, February the sixteenth. And so I I'm interested to see how that game is going to play out. Now, Chris, before I you know before I let you go, I have to ask you about some of the on field things that you were impressed by or did not like. Did you like the uh, uh, like on field interviews and on the bench interviews right after everything happened? I I didn't only because I felt like it really did take away from the play of you know on the field. Um, so if if I'm the XFL going forward, I'm limiting the amount of of interviews. You know, halftime absolutely. You know, as they're running off the field, um, but after they come right off the field. I mean, I want to see them, you know, looking at plays, talking with their coordinators. I don't want to see them, you know, speaking to sideline reporters. Um, but that, but that's that's me. That's something that I, I kind of hope that does change a little bit. And I think that's going to be up to the coaches and really kind of reining things in as the season progresses. I like the interviews only because, well, one, I like talking trash. And then <laughs> two, <laughs> two uh, I said this earlier today. I want to know what's going on in the minds of some of these football players, you know, when they make a mistake or when they, you know, do something great. I would love to have, you know, known what Tony Romo was thinking, you know, in those games, in those playoff games where he had collapses. I would love to know what was going through his mind right after he, you know, botched the 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 uh, botched the snap against the Seattle Seahawks in the playoff game. You know, mm-hmm. I want to know. You know, when Aaron Rodgers is having a terrible game, what he's what he's thinking when he comes to sideline. I, I want to know these things because as a fan, like in the NFL, as, as a fan of the NFL, when I see them make a mistake, you know, especially the quarterbacks, they just come to the sideline, put a hat on and just sit there. You may see them smiling or, you know, they grab the little tablet. I'm like, wait a minute. I want to know what you saw or what was going through your mind. Why did you make that throw? And they don't have to answer because, you know, some of those guys in the uh, uh, from the XFL teams, they didn't want to talk. They didn't want to they, they didn't want to talk at all. Oh, side note. Mm-hmm. By far, I'm going to tell you right now, I have a favorite um, a favorite XFL player already. Oh, who is he? Who he, is. he plays. I think he plays for the Dallas Renegades, if I'm not mistaken. Did you know that Marquette King was punting for in the XFL? Yeah, and he had a gem of a punt that his own teammate absolutely ruined for him. Yes, it's what he plays for the Dallas uh, Renegades, correct? I believe so. Yeah, and he oh gosh, that punt was a beauty. 
Yes, it was. And so my thing was, my thing when it comes to uh, uh, Marquette King is, and I, like I said, I'm side noting right now. I'm going to tell you why it made me, I'm, I'm going to tell you why he's my favorite and I'm mad all at the same time. I really feel like, mm-hmm. I really feel like John Gruden ruined his career. I, I really do. I really feel like John Gruden, when he came in and, oh, I'm sorry, I take that back. He plays for the same Battle Hawks. So I will okay. see him this. I will see him this weekend. So, um, I apologize, you all. He played Marquette King as the punter for the uh, St. Louis Battlehawks. I will see him, like I said, this weekend. Get a chance to probably talk to him a little bit. But I feel like John Gruden, because you know he came in. One of the first cuts he made was Marquette King, and said, "We don't need no punter that's going to be around here celebrating and dancing and doing all of that stuff." So he got rid of him. And I'm like, but special teams plays a major part in games and you want to be able to you know control the field position if your offense doesn't have it going you want to pin the 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 other team's offense back as far as you can and Marquette King can do that and so I think what after that he went and he went to the Broncos and so if he I guess if he performs well he'll get a chance to get you know back into the league which you know I think that a lot of these guys if they perform well I think that at the least they'll get invited to camp to see what they can do on the next level. And so, uh, but getting back to the rules and, and things that's going on, what do you think about like the one point, the two point and the three point conversion after four? I really like it. Um, we saw a lot more teams going for the two point conversion than we did the one or the three. Um, I don't know how many, I was looking through the numbers and I don't think I saw a team actually attempt a three point conversion. I could be wrong, um, but a lot more teams were actually going for the two point conversion, but I really like the option. I like the fact that, you know, they don't even allow the extra point after the touchdown. You have to go for, you know, the, the, the one, the one point from the two yard line, the two point from the five or the three point from the 10. I really think that enjoys, it really adds a lot of excitement to the game. It also can make it a little bit higher scoring. Um, so I think that's something that I really like. And I think it's something that the NFL, you know, there are a few things I've seen from the XFL that I think the NFL should adopt. And one thing is actually the kickoffs. I love the kickoffs for the XFL. If the NFL wants to improve player safety, then uh, adopt that kickoff rule and how they do it in the XFL. The reason I love the kickoff is it reminds me of playing football in the backyard or it reminds me of playing football at school you know before school started and you pick teams and you get one person because nobody was really kicking like that growing up you know nobody right had a leg <laughs> like that to be able to, to do a kickoff and wasn't anybody going to get down on one knee and hold the ball while your, un- your, your unorthodox friend who was barely coordinated comes through and try to kick the ball <laughs> off your finger so I love mm-hmm. the fact that it's, you know, you remember when you were younger playing football, it's just you throwing the ball off. It seems like that to me. It's like right. you throwing the ball off and got the guy back, and then you're going from there. And so I really like that. I think it's going to cut down. It's definitely going to cut down on a lot of injuries. But it gives me a chance to see an actual play. I was so tired of watching touchbacks in the NFL this year. I was so tired of seeing the ball go through the back of the end zone and then the offense comes out. I'm saying to myself, why don't you just give them the ball at the 35-yard line and let them go from there? I don't even know if I – Chris, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know if I've seen a kickoff return for a touchdown this year. I'm really trying to think back to the season and think about, did I actually see 
a kickoff return. And I don't. Right now, I can't think about it. But I guarantee you that there's going to be a couple a, a couple when it comes to this XFL. I think so. And like you mentioned, you know, they're going to have more of an opportunity to actually bring the ball back. And I think in the NFL, too, that's why we see so many poor decisions of kick returners. You know, if the ball will get kicked and they might be five yards deep in the end zone, but the returner just wants just they just want a, an, an opportunity to return the kick. So they're even though they probably shouldn't bring it out of the end zone, they do it anyway. And then they get slammed at like the 12 or 13 yard line. Yes. But they just want that opportunity. So I think that with the XFL, what we've seen is that they get that opportunity almost every single time and they have a chance to make a play. You know, obviously they're the defenders going to be closing in on them from a little bit closer, um, but they aren't going to be running at full speed from like 50 yards out like we see in the NFL. This week's games coming up, Chris, is you're going to have four teams going up against each other who are undefeated. And then the other four teams going up against each other, trying to get, you know, trying to get their first win. So I'm going to go down mm-hmm. the, the list of games this weekend. Uh, you give me your prediction on what you think. You, you don't even have to give me a score. You just give me a winner. So okay. uh, on Saturday at two o'clock on ABC, the New York guardians play the DC defenders. Who you got? I've got DC on that one. Okay. I'm going to take DC as well. Uh, the next game at 5 o'clock on Fox is the Tampa Bay Vipers versus the Seattle Dragons. Uh, I believe – I know Tampa Bay is going to be on the road, but I like them as a road favorite on that one, so I'm going to go with the Vipers. You know what? I think that I'm going to go with the Dragons. So you got the Vipers. I'm going to take, mm-hmm. take the Dragons. And so – All right. And that's, and that's just because, I mean, you know – I, I, I don't want to be different, but I like their I, I like their logo. I like their mascot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Dallas Renegades <laughs> take on the LA Wildcats on uh Sunday, February the sixteenth at three PM on ABC. Who you got out of the Renegades and the Wildcats? I really I like I like Dallas in this one. I think Dallas is gonna bounce back. We're gonna see them put up, you know, at least two to three touchdowns against LA um and end up with a one and one record going into week three. You know what? I'm going to take L.A. only because of, uh, you know, what I saw from them this past weekend. And uh, I I will say this. Their head coach, Winston Moss, came to the press conference. He was visibly upset. He was visibly upset. He said that, he, you know, he told his coaches that he wanted to win three phases of the game and they lost all three phases. And he's like, well, we're going to go back to the drawing board. And we're gonna get this thing together, and so I'm gonna. I, I think that the the Wildcats will pull it off. And then last but not least, the last game on Sunday, February the 16th at six o'clock on Fox Sports One, you have the Seattle Battlehawks versus the Houston Roughnecks. I'm going with Houston. I think this is going to be the highest scoring game of the week, um, and I th- I like I like Houston to win by at least six. I'm going to go with Houston as well, and not just because I'm a homer, but because they have a great offense. And I think that this week, now that they know what what to expect, now that they got that first game out of the way, and they won in convincing fashion, that takes, you know, it gives them a lot of confidence going into this game against the St. Louis Battlehawks. And it, it allows them to have now, you know, this is the thing that I like. They now have a game, you know, on tape that they can go back and they can correct their mistakes. And now you give P.J. Walker a chance to see, 
where what he did wrong and how he can improve on that. And then you can get June Jones to get with his coordinator and see how, you know, if they can get a little bit more rushing. So I'm going to go with the Roughnecks as well. Chris, before you go, do you see the do you see the not only the rushing attempts, but the rushing yards going up in week two now that, you know, now that we've gotten week one out of the way? I do. And I, and I say that because um, one thing that that we saw is a lot of guys who we expected to have really good games. They really did kind of take a step back and, and weren't very productive. Um, and, you know, guys like we mentioned, Cameron, Cameron Artis Payne, um, you know, of Dallas, Lance Dunbar of Dallas. I think they're going to have really big bounce back games. The one guy I'm looking to really bounce back is Battle Hawks running back Christine Michael, uh, who was a former running back for the Seahawks and the Cowboys. Um, he was a a fantasy football dynasty darling for years, a guy who had a combination of speed and size and power and just never got the opportunities. And he was actually the number one overall pick in a lot of XFL fantasy drafts this year. So I'm expecting Christine Michael to bounce back and have a really good game. Hmm. That's going to be interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to pay attention. I, I am. The, the, the one thing that I like is, there's a lot of former NFL players that are getting the opportunity in this league. There are, and it's, you know, not a lot of them are, you know, still super young players because they bounced around in, in the NFL for four or five years before they finally, you know, decided, okay, enough's enough. You know, so a lot of these guys are going to be in their late twenties. So they may or may not get another chance in the NFL, but at least they're, they're pursuing their dream. They're doing what they absolutely love to do. And they're not making chum change, you know, doing it. I mean, yeah, they could go out and do something else, but they might not be getting paid 60 grand a year to, you know, to do what they love. So I don't, you know, for me personally, I love seeing, I love seeing guys coming back and it's not necessarily, you know, just, you have to know when to quit. It's no, if you have an opportunity to fulfill your, fulfill your dream, whether it's at the highest level or not, you know, you do what you need to do. So I, I absolutely love seeing it. Last question I have for you. If you had to look into the future, you think that this is a league that can last and be a complement to the NFL? I think so, because what I've seen from social media over the last 48 hours is I've seen a couple of complaints, but I'd say 95% of the feedback that I've been seeing has been absolutely positive. People are excited about this league because it's focused on football. It's not focused on Vince McMahon and the WWE and trying to make a, you know, a sideshow of the, of the whole league. Um, this is a league that is really, it looks like it wants to succeed. And I think it can, I think that we're going to see this, you know, I don't want to put a prediction and say, we're going to see it for the next 10 years, but I'm going to give this at least two to three seasons and then see where it goes. It almost feels like the developmental league that the NFL has wanted for a long time. It's like that because, because, I can see this. I would love to, in all honesty, I would love to see the NFL help out the XFL. If they're able, if they have a really good first season, I would love to see, you know, that happen and maybe, you know, be able to to, to infuse in some money into it and become like how, how the NBA has the G League. Maybe the XFL mm-hmm. can become that, which would probably give Vince McMahon the, you know, all he's ever wanted was to be a part of the NFL anyway, but they could partner up with the NFL and become that type because now you get that marketing and that branding behind it and it makes it more attractive for those guys. It makes it more attractive because you think about it, Chris, if you have a guy, if you have, 
you know, guys coming out of, you know, D1, D2, NAIA, you know, JUCO. You have those guys who may not make it in the NFL, but you have a developmental league like the Renegades. The Renegades could be the developmental league for the Dallas Cowboys, right? Mm-hmm. So now you're like, okay, well, we'll hire you. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll draft you or whatever the case may be, and then we'll put you on, you know, the XFL squad. You know, if you can't make the practice squad, we'll put you on the XFL squad, and then at, come next season, we'll be able to bring you back. That way, you know, you're still, been a, you're still able to make a little bit of money, and they're still able to watch you. Because I guarantee you, there were uh, NFL scouts glued to the television last weekend looking at some guys, some former guys, some guys they probably never heard of before, some diamond, diamonds in the rough. And so I think that maybe it, it may take two years of sustainability from the XFL, but I can honestly see them being a, you know, a, a, a developmental league for the NFL. I will say, and I think if they can get those younger players into the XFL, you know, like you said, guys that maybe weren't drafted into the NFL or, you know, if maybe there, there are certain college players that don't want to wait that, you know, that two-year minimum before they can enter the NFL draft. Maybe they just want to go from high school into the XFL or, um, you know, work something out where they're still being able to play at a high level and get noticed by NFL teams. Um, and I And I say that because, you know, guys that we'd never heard of, you know, did a lot of really good things over the weekend. Nelson Spruce of LA is one of them. You know, he's a guy who was a rookie in 2016. So he's only four years, you know, removed from, from being a rookie. And he's a guy who kind of showed flashes of a Julian Edelman, you know, a guy that's going to rack up a lot of targets, a lot of receptions. You know, he's might get you, you know, seven yards per, per reception, you know, but he's a guy who's able to get open and make things happen when he is. So that's a guy who very well at the end of this season, yeah, he might get a tryout with an NFL team next year. And they're prob- they probably will have to do it, Chris, because if this league is able to survive, they're going to start poaching some of these, uh, you know, college students with talent and saying, well, look, why wait the three-year minimum? We, you have to wait if you want to play in the XFL. Come on over. You know, once the NFL sees that, they're going to be like, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. And that's where Vince is going to – Vince McMahon – is going to have them. And I and and like I said, I you know, I, I started off this podcast when I was talking about and you said it as well that it's it's straight football from the XFL and I love it. I love the fact that it's just mm-hmm. straight football, no gimmicks and that's what's going to allow them to sustain if they can keep, you know, a, a healthy dose of they don't have to have the NFL type talent. They just have to have some talent to where fans can be like, okay, I'm not watching, you know, the AAF or I'm not watching some even, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, knock the CFL, but, you know, the CFL to me isn't, they don't have the talent to sustain as far as American football is concerned. So Chris, tell them where they can find you at. You guys can find me on Twitter at Chris Kennedy, three, one, eight. Chris, can we do this again next week? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we went from the from the NFL, you know, throughout the playoffs, and now we've got more football. So this is going to be – I mean, there's no offseason for us. Yeah, and, uh, you know, maybe next week I won't, I won't talk about people, baby mamas. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Chris, let me say this before we go, too. You know, February is Black History Month, right? Mm-hmm. If I had to have a knock on anything with the XFL and the Houston Roughnecks, do you know what it is? 
What's that? Chris, how do you serve a black man chicken a chicken breast with no barbecue sauce? How is it Black History Month and you don't have no barbecue sauce and you have no ketchup, no hot sauce, nothing? Have you ever tried to eat a dry chicken breast? Was it wait, was it was it grilled chicken or fried chicken? It was grilled. Well, that it absolutely needs barbecue sauce. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I'm saying to myself, it's Black History Month. Where is the barbecue sauce? You know that. And if it's fried chicken, then you better give me some ranch dressing with it. Yeah, or 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 that hot sauce, because you know, so mm-hmm. hot sauce is black people's mayonnaise. We'll talk about that on another podcast. Okay, Chris. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> You've been listening to the Sports Talk with Big Sarge podcast, Rough Around the Edges, XFL edition. We'll see you all next week. I'm out. <laughs>